We actually looked into getting young Stevie Mulrooney to sing us into our latest rap pod, but his agent told us he's now in so much demand, we'd have a better chance booking Taylor Swift. So I guess it's time to start harping on rugby. My name is Jeff Pagano, and welcome to Harping on Rugby, where with the help of some fellow fans, I get the chance to harp on what's going on with Leinster, Ireland, and the wider rugby world. Well, for the second week in a row, we have a milestone on the pod, as we now have the third Harping contributor to reach his 50th cap. Many thanks to and congrats to Mr. Tom Coleman. Are you allowing me to run onto the pod by myself? Just That's it. Even to the ground. I try. I tried to think of a way of doing that on the podcast, but I figured that would probably be too I'm much. Virtually, I'm virtually <laughs> running onto the pod. There the you moment. go. There <laughs> you go. Tom, Tom joins uh, Kigo and Connor Cronin in the 50 Club, although in a way his is a unique achievement in that Tom has reached the number in the quickest time, having only made his Harpen debut in August uh, 2021, with his first contribution being a preseason analysis of Mr. Dave Carney, and the rest, as they say, is history. All right. Oh, well, I must say, it's like the Dan Sheehan of... Uh, Potter, so there you go, indeed. And uh, also joining us is someone who's a little bit behind Tom when it comes to caps, yet this is still technically a milestone as he's reaching double figures with his 10th. Welcome back to Mr. Jay Long. Hi, Chef. Thanks for having me. How are you, Tom? And congratulations on what has to be the most important event of your entire life. Oh, absolutely, without, without a doubt, without a doubt. Definitely, definitely. You're, the, you're the Craig Casey of uh, pods. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Uh, okay, so listen, like under our new format, we're going straight into our feature match of the week, which was, of course, uh, Ireland v. Italy, which was played at the Viva Stadium on Sunday afternoon. As always, our Harpen match wrap pods are brought to you by the Irish Rugby Store at Elvery's. Now, it was a bit colder than it has been, uh, plus there was a bit of a gust about. Otherwise, conditions weren't too bad. And after a memorable rendition of Ireland's call by the late, late toy show star Steve Mulrooney, it was uh, Paolo Gabrisi getting the match underway by kicking towards the South Stand, Tom. Yeah, it was an interesting start to the game. Um, I, I made the comment elsewhere that sometimes these 3 o'clock Six Nations games can seem a bit sluggish. You just don't know what to expect. It's, it just seems a bit of an odd time. And I think, to be fair, I... Probably was talking about Italy more than anything else rather than the game it turned out because um it didn't really take long for Ireland to sort of get into their sort of their, their, their grooves pretty straight away um it just looked like Italy from <clears throat> immediately were slightly off the pace I know they have a new coach and they're trying to probably concentrating on their defensive setups first and foremost to get that right um but it, it just looked from early on that there was a little bit of the Leinster tactics that Farrell has employed. That Ireland were attacking that first ruck a lot. And um, what it was allowing happen was uh, it was putting pressure on Garabisi's ball. And I think within the first 20 minutes of the game, Joe McCarthy came through in him three or four times. And that was repeated several times throughout the game. I'm so poor Garabisi's seeing Joe, big Joe in his sleep after the weekend because he was just, <clears throat> you know, the, the main two guys for me in the first 20 minutes for different reasons was Joe Mack again. And uh, Jack Crowley. Um, so once Ireland started to get into a few phases, um, and we were happy to keep the ball in the hand, it, we quickly made ground up the field, uh, and that's where Italy's looked a bit off the pace and just looked like a bit of rab- rabbit in headlights with sort of the phase play. Um, before I come to the first try in the first five minutes, I think maybe 
there was a bit of confusion around how we were exiting in the game. Um, just looked uncertain where Crowley was standing, where he was, you know, he, he's obviously a 10 that sits flat and then he's not in that position for clearance. And sometimes Casey wasn't sure whether he should box or or whether Lowe would get in play. So <clears throat> definitely for the first 20 minutes and maybe, you know, the bit Jay's going to talk about in the first half, it did look a little bit meh about our exits and we weren't a little bit unclear. But <clears throat> whatever was said at half time or whatever was corrected, which is a sign of good players, first and foremost, to react to it and good coaching. You didn't really see any of that much in the second half and, and we, we see a lot more of James Lowe's exits. Um, but, you know, that was that was one area that was a bit of an issue and it, was, it wasn't giving us um, the momentum that maybe should have left the score higher in the first 20 minutes than it actually was. But yeah, it didn't take long, as I said, for Ireland to sort of get into the groove. Uh, and I think this try, really, to give him credit, was all about Jack Crowley um, because... Immediately, you could see when he was taking the ball into contact that he was always trying to bring the arms around, you know, that sort of Damian McKenzie type thing where he's trying to wrap the arms around beyond the defender to get it free. And three or four times he's, he was successful in a series of phases and he eventually got his, his, his joy because I think it was Robbie Henshaw ran on to, to, a, to a lovely one. And, and there was lots of phases in between before before uh, Crowley dotted down for his, which I couldn't believe was his first senior try. I hadn't really realized he hadn't scored for Munster, which is which is which is a surprise. But you could tell when he dotted it down and just the delight. You know, he's obviously a guy making his Six Nations debut, full debut in the I think it's his full debut in in the Six Nations in 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 the in Lansdowne and to get a try and everything as well and to start off as as well he did doing it was it was a big moment. And I I think just talking on Crowley for a few minutes, I think we seen on the mistakes he made in Marseille. The comments afterwards was that he wasn't afraid to learn. He wasn't. He didn't let those mistakes overawe him, and he kept to the game plan. and And he he was key on on onto well how well Ireland played, and I think he made mistakes the weekend as well. I know he had a charge then early on. That's something he'd have to change in his game. I think he he obviously likes to stand flat, and then when he tries to alter for a kick, he's too near to the defensive line. So he got caught against France early on, and he got caught against Italy this time. So look, that's something I'm sure he'll work on. And obviously, then you know we 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 talked throughout the game about his kicking. Um, I think it was just below forty percent. But again, you could focus on that in the negative, and I'm sure kicking only becomes an issue when it matters. And it didn't matter in this match, much like scrums only become an issue when it matters, as we've heard over the last couple of years. But he he doesn't let those mistakes or those errors change the way he plays. He's very much a confidence player. And and you know he had to slot in at fullback for a while after after Hugo got a bit of a knock. So um, I thought it was in his you know first twenty minutes of game. I thought he was one of our key players. I thought Joe Mack was key as well. And um, I think the other side of it, maybe just a comment in the first twenty minutes, was just <clears throat> Ireland probably lacked a little bit of patience. I, I I don't know what the psyche of it is to be a pro player on going into a game where you obviously deep down feel you're going to win. Ireland have won. 12 games initially in Dublin by an average of 29 points and that's I you know you'd have to be a really good sports psychologist not to get that out of players head to think that you're not this is not a game you're going to win and it felt a little bit of that at times we you know and and maybe some of the knock-ons throughout the game that we'll talk about and, and some of the nearly tries was a result of that sort of little white line fever or whatever you want to call it um sense of urgency of a team that feels like, you know, they're going to win this game anyway. But um, that was a good solid 20 minutes and um, capped off by good performance by Crowley and, and, and Joe Mack especially. Um, but there was other players that did well, but I just thought those two younger guys who've, who've 
we've sort of come to the fore in the Six Nations were worth mentioning again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this is what we're looking at now, you know, going forward after after the World Cup and everything. It's it's which what players are going to step up and come into the team. And you mentioned two two big ones right there that have had uh, amazing uh, opening games. I mean, uh, in that opening spell, of course, you also had, um, like you said, uh, Hugo Keenan was uh, was a big uh, big factor as well. I mean, he just he 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 took a mark at his twenty two. He looked up, he saw a gap, and he just uh, quick tapped and went for it and started that move. Uh, which 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 led to that try. I mean, there was a 13 phases later. I mean, the whole team was pretty much involved in that one. But as you say, Crowley was kind of at the center of it, um, moving the ball around and uh, ended up capping it off and with the I, score. And I think as well, you know, just finishing off, just one other guy that's really worth mentioning is because he is is Robbie Henshaw. You know, he's mm. been out for so long and we only seen him in, in blue coming back against Stad and against Way to Leicester. And we realise what a quality player he is. It's it's hard to forget. He just seems to just hit that groove. He was outstanding over in Welford Road, and he's just slotted in for for Ringer, you know. And 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 the level hasn't dropped off. And in that try, you know, you're right. Hugo started it off with just that quick thinking, but I think Henshaw had a couple of breaks within that yep. as well. And and he 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 really tanned him up, tanned him up well with with Crowley a few times. So. Um, you know, to think we haven't really missed Ringrose is 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 just just shows you how good Robbie Henshaw of a player is, and it'd be great to see him for the rest of the Six Nations and the rest of the campaign with ourselves. Absolutely, and and on the and on the place kicking, I mean, the, you know, I said that there was a bit of a gust around um, the Aviva, like it, it, it um, Italy actually probably should have had the first score and uh, it looked like a kickable opportunity, but it ended up sort of a bit of a dead duck that, uh, that just kind of sailed wide uh, yeah. early on. Yeah. So, um, but Crowley had a few as well, but I mean, it was, it was just, it just seemed to be that, that kind of day for the place kicks, but uh, yeah, so that uh, we got to the 20th minute anyway, and uh, there was, um, there was a knock on around the, in the, around the middle of the pitch and they came back for a scrum, uh, Jay. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, it's a nice place to to, to mention how we, we kind of had them over the coals and the scrum the whole day, uh, it's, which, which is nice. I'm sure, you know, Andy Porter probably gave himself a little fist pump after, I'm sure he reads his own press to a certain extent, uh, and, and there was plenty of it during the week. Uh, but as well as that, I thought Finley had a great day too, um, on top of what was a great week from as well. So that's, that's really, really nice from. So yeah, we, we I'm not sure what the infringement was this time, but um, we, we get the penalty at the, at the scrum uh, and we go quick. And I just I have I have towards Stu McCluskey written down here about four or five times, and I, it's, it's now that we were mentioning Henshaw, I suppose it's a nice it's a nice kind of you know segue to bring to, to mention the bloke who was beside him. I thought Stu McCluskey was fantastic on 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 Saturday, Sunday, um, and he just all those little NBA passes he he manages to get past, and and he just he's an absolute truck on true people as well. That was a really really good day. with Stu like again. To say that we didn't miss Ringer with Henshaw, the fact that we didn't miss Bundy with with Stu is is, is a testament to how, how well he slotted back in. And you know, like I probably wasn't the biggest believer of him, you know, a couple of years ago, but I think he's probably starting most of their uh, most of their test squads if just given how 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 you know how much depth we have in the centres at the moment. But yeah, as I said, it's a lovely attack. Uh, we we uh, we break off the back of a scrum, uh, and Nash makes a lovely, a lovely carry. I think it's an, it was another really, really solid day for Nash on, on Sunday. Um, it was quietly going about covering for Mac Hansen, uh, not not no no mean fee. Um, so so Casey feeds the Crowley, who does that exactly as as as, as Thomas saying that sort of D Mac getting his hands beyond the, the beyond contact and passing it over to Stu, who kind of NBA NBA's it off to Sheehan. 
who runs it in from the wing. Um, I'm not sure what he was thinking, to be honest. Um, <laughs> I've watched it like four or five times now. I, I'm still looking for the the, the logic behind it. I but... mean, Capuozzo is not the biggest. In fairness, if you were going to pick one guy on that Italian team that you feel you could probably run into if you're Dan Sheehan, but still, uh, kids, don't yeah. try this at home. Yeah, it's like the, G- the <laughs> dot GPS... it down in the corner. <laughs> the GPS, the internal Tom Tom went absolutely haywire there for yeah. a second. He was. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, like I mean, hard to Detroit. Like he, he does get a down first. Double, I suppose technically it is a game, but yeah. it does seem absolutely totally unnecessary. But yeah, it was it was a yeah, it was a lovely try. So that's that's and and Crowley Crowley gets the conversions. That's like twelve nil. Just just some I suppose as 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 Tom was saying, just some some points. I'll try to go through it kind of chronologically, but just t- some good talking points. Um, Italy restart and Bard who who makes a lovely catch. Just our our defense like constantly forcing errors from them now. Quite an awful lot of their stuff was unforced. I thought it was generally a bad day at the office for Italy. I thought they, had, they defended quite well, actually. Uh, pretty savvy in defence. They they read our stuff quite you know quite well at times. Caught us behind the game line, but I think it was it was just Capoosa really, and maybe Monte Ioanni, who was offering absolutely anything in attack. Um, but yeah, so um, we run it back. Italy kick it back to us, um, and we get it to Stu. Uh, who gives one, another one of his trademark kind of uh, offloads to low, um, and our hands are our hands are looking great, but unfortunately, kind of low, it gets turned over, and kind of just go through this one because it was kind of the it was the tail of the day, really, wasn't it? It was there was so many kind of almost lovely kind of worldly tries that were just kind of really really frustratingly ruined by small little pieces of sloppiness. Um, which I suppose is uncharacteristic of us, really. But it, given the, the amount of churn from from the squad last week to this week, probably um, understandable. I thought Casey kind of confused things a little at times, but uh, yeah, he, I thought he has a good day as well. So um, yeah, Italy kick it back to halfway, uh, but they they overthrow it and but they they keep the ball. Um, Farney tries a box kick and and Joe gets a hand to it, um, and Doris catches it, and and we absolutely haunted Varney. Uh, which which was great. I thought Joe had he's really starting to show the other aspects of his game that would have been kind of the main points of his detractors uh, over the last couple of you know months in terms of I, I think it was a pretty clean bib in terms of penalty count for for Big Joe this time around. Um, but we're seeing him jumping the line out. We're seeing him make line out steals. We're seeing the pressure around the rook. So I thought Joe had a really really good day game too. But unfortunately, we give we 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 give a pen away for for hands on the ground and. Um, again, the reason I mentioned that is because there's just far too many of them. There's far too many silly panels that we just didn't need to give away. Um, if I was to be, I suppose, overly, overly judgmental of the whole thing. But yeah, we had a couple of fantastic bard steals in the line out, and and Crowley uh, try, tries an upper under one stage, and and they're very very well shepherded. And, and Angie uh, Angney Capuozzo takes it, and I think I haven't noted that they just they shepherd us really really well. I think that's one thing they could probably take pretty pretty decent pride in. Is how well they 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 handled us uh, our, our kick chase. Uh, nearly every time there was four or five lads who were just in Nash's way, kind of you know uh, with, with the shoulders ready. Yeah, so it's just just a couple of more scrums, which I think we probably pushed more panels on scrums than we had completed ones. Uh, and at one stage, Crowley around the twenty-two minute mark, uh, Crowley kicks uh, kicks us into the ten meter. She she throws a little ball into the ball. We, we don't get far. Um, Casey. Gives it to Crowley to Nash. Um, Italy defend really, really well. Actually, um, I think it's I think it's the captain there. Very, very unlucky not to get 
turnover. Uh, but he yeah, even the uh, even the referee said uh, th- th- this annoys me now because the referee said, "Oh, you're so unlucky." That was a really good counter. <laughs> to which case, I was watching, going, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." But hang on, you're the ref. <laughs> you're not, you're yeah, not supposed to goal, sound disappointed. Gold star, star for effort. Um, yeah, yeah. Blue, blue tick and V good on the math homework there. Um, <laughs> but unfortunate. So, yeah, and it's just another scrum. And we're just absolutely marching them backwards at this stage. Uh, and Crowley kicks to the corner. And I have this whole section highlight in red here because I want to mention the man himself. So Sheehan uh, throws in and, and Jack Conan takes it. Uh, it's just a maul and, and, and Dan breaks off the back. Very kind of dives down. Joe, very, very unlucky not to get over himself to pick and drive. Thought he sort of showed a bit more, you know, again, showed kind of a bit of a more experience there. He just recycles. Yeah. He knows he has, he, he knows there's lads behind him. And yeah, I suppose there's nothing glam about it, but Jack Conan crashes over after some good phase, you know, but there's, there's a, there's a restart um, and, and Jack Conan takes it. And it's the man I've, I just want to talk about for a second. I suppose he's a bit of a bridesmaid in the Ireland squad. Now, I guess Jack Conan, but I thought he had a fantastic day. Uh, he absolutely buried Capo Ozzo at one stage on a carry, you know, he just he turned up all day, never stopped for for the full for the full eighty. And yeah, so Italy restart, and again, as I said, it's Jack Conan on the take who does that sort of signature Jack Conan. I'm going to kill whoever's in front of me, Kerry. Um, we work at wide is a lovely pass to Bard, and he's off that with that sort of kind of giraffe late for a train, thirsty for a point sort of run down the pitch. <laughs> um, and and uh, Casey, we recycle, and Casey kind of dinks over. Um, not sure if it was the right call or maybe the timing with Nash. I'm not sure if it was a call from Nash to go for it and Nash overran it or something, but um, it, it seemed like a good a good opportunity, some good field position after a, a pretty ridiculous kind of uh, break from Bard. Uh, but it dribbles into touch um, and, and Italy kind of, uh, you know, take the line out and get it off the pitch for halftime, 19 nil. Yeah, I mean, the story the story that half really seems to be like, you know, when, when, when our attacks were clicking it was really really good and and the feature of it was those um those brave little offloads those extra little uh like you say the dmac style uh, anticipating where the where the tackler is going to come from and then passing it around you say mccluskey was doing it crowley was doing it they were all prepped to to to, to get that extra pass something you know something we never saw back in the schmidt era um it was a, it was a it's a it's a, it's a really it's really exciting style to watch and something that really works and we needed it against like you say the italians were seemed to be focusing on the defensive end of things they were looking for ways to thwart us uh tom was talking about the exits earlier i mean i thought maybe we were trying you know low is just so damn good at them that Teams are going to try to shut him down by targeting him in those situations. There was one stage where he got it. He could have kicked it, but he shipped it off to Crowley, and Crowley did it. They're, they, maybe they're trying different looks. I don't know, but it's all these these extra elements that we're trying to bring in um, to, to to the play that, you know, some of them are going to work, some of them aren't. And that might've kept the score down a little bit as well, but um, we, we were giving away penalties. There were, there were stuff going on, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, we got to the half with, with three tries in. And like you say, the score at halftime was our Ireland 19, Italy nil. Okay, before we continue, first let me remind you that we're also recording an extra little chat about more general rugby topics. To catch that and also to see our match previews every week as well as other content, you need to go to our Harper on Rugby YouTube channel. And while you're there, why not like, share, and subscribe as well? 
So Italy made a change at the break, replacing tight head Pietro Cecciarelli with Mirko Spagnolo. I couldn't get away without at least saying a couple of the names. And it was uh, Jack Crowley uh, getting the second half underway, Tom. Yeah, I suppose a good segue to mention the exits because <laughs> the, the initial thing I seen from the start of the second half was that we sort of re- 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 sort of reverted to type because Lowe was sort of key in the first five or six minutes for that getting that territory that uh, we'd sort of gone away from the box kicks. And as you say, I, I think you could be right. It could be just bit of double bluffing going on for games down the line and, and you know you just don't know what hands they want to play I think I think the rest of the teams are well 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 aware of of what low brings uh territory wise for Ireland but we did revert to type a bit more I think I think there was not an urgency maybe just to 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 put plan a back in place maybe for a while and get this match done and dusted between the 55 and 60 minutes where you could empty the bench and <clears throat> try out a, a, a lot of a backline that looked, you know, definitely second or third choice, you know, the makeup of it all. And that's no disrespect to the players. But so so I think Lowe's exits was more more to the fore at the start of the second half to get that more territory. Um I think I think what mentioned at this stage was, you know, Ireland's line out was going really well at that stage. We, had, we got a line out early on that game and Everything was running smoothly. I think at that stage we were six from six or seven from seven. We ended up thirteen out of thirteen for the whole game. And as as Jay mentioned earlier on, um, Andrew Porter got a couple of scrum penalties again. We were eight for eight from the scrum, so definitely the set piece. Um, I'm sure you know there's no bigger test. I think maybe outside South Africa than France. So, um, but I I thought the set piece has stepped up big time from, from the World Cup, and um, obviously the, the lads have been doing work um since then. And it's great to see see whatever they're doing behind behind closed doors is sort of paying off for the team because, um, it can only make the team better really. Um, other things I would say just we give away a couple of loose penalties at that half as well. It was a little bit messy at the breakdown. You know, I think Baird, um, it was a neck roll or something involved in it, and I think Ryan got caught. Uh, James Ryan got caught for one as well. I think Baird was getting blamed for it, but it was James Ryan that did the neck roll as well. Um. As well, uh, a couple of times we were in positions of kicking it again. Nash kicked one dead as well, so I think we were trying things as well as 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 much as trying to get that backline going. We were trying other little things as well. Um, as Jay mentioned as well in the first half, Italy's handling errors sort of continued again. Um, some of it was down, I'd say, to the ferociousness of Ireland hitting them early, but but some of them was just poor execution by Italy as well. I think at this stage of the game they had eight or nine knock-ons, some of them not in contact even, which which is was a worry for them. Um, but it's sort of sort of eight nine minutes into the second half, um, we've seen the most Dan Sheehan of tries. You know we had a line out and it was a mall, and just patience, and then sort of Sheehan peels away and 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 dots it down. And this time he didn't look for. Ange to try and run over him. He just seen the green grass Correct, and decided he'll, he'll put it down again. But, um, you know, that sort of was the bonus point at that stage, I think. And the game was sort of done at that stage. We made a raft of substitutions after that. Just before Dan went off, uh, he the coach denying him the chance of a hat-trick. He, he nearly got in again. I think it came from a Casey box kick. And and, and I think it was um, Hugo Keenan just made up a massive amount of yards. I don't know which Italian was ahead of him, but... And that was an exit as well, wasn't it? That was a chip chip out of the 22. What Casey was trying a lot in the first half, eventually this was the first time I would say it paid off. Yeah. Um, 
And as much of it was down to that sort of African wild dog athleticism of Hugo Keenan, who just seems to make up ground relentlessly on whatever he's chasing. And unfortunately, he wasn't shortly after long after that, he got a little bit of a knock. But he, you know, he sort of gave us that platform again. He again, he was the instigator, as you say, in the first half when he when he took the mark really quick and got Ireland going. So I think we sit here, we name lots of players that really, really played well. And I suppose we have to give credit to Hugo. We don't even have to mention him. And he just plays at such a high bloody level. And it was him again that sort of got that move going and got us into territory. And we had lots of phases. As Jay mentioned earlier on, in that phase of play before the the Sheehan nearly getting in, there was some lovely interplay with with Stu McCluskey and and uh, Jay has a has a good description of it being it's sort of NBA offloads because he's sort of just dunking the ball over the defender's head and Crowley was in sync with his centres all day. I think that's one thing we probably take for granted. You've got an Ulster, a Munster, and a Leinster guy, and a lot of times we speak about guys playing with each other regularly, but I think the fact that you know, you had a Munster 10, an Ulster 12 and a Leinster 13 and they click so well is testament to the players and, and, and the coaches and the systems. I think that that shouldn't be really understated how, how difficult a thing that is to do. Um, it was one of the hard things about being an international coach from following it over the years and not knowing, not knowing much is just getting those partnerships going up. We all grew up looking at Drico and Darcy and you, you know, Rog and Stringer. Um, but but I think I think in fairness to the coaches getting those guys coming as well as they did. And I said then partnership nearly got um nearly got Sheehan in. Again, as I said at the start of the the first half, just a little bit of patience, you know. I think maybe that comes with knowing the game is won. Um, you know, just just didn't quite get in at that stage, you know. I don't know who was it. Varney nearly. Varney. Varney. Varney got yeah, and there was, there was a possibility she had actually knocked on. It wasn't picked up, yep. but uh, it was Varney um pulled a good defensive tackle on him, stopped him, but um the ball eventually came back onto the near side of the pitch, and and after similar play offloads and 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 Stu doing his NBA impression, uh, you know, Larry Bird. Um, it was Henshaw nearly got in and did get in for a try. It was it was only on second look, um, that um, there was a little bit of crawling in there. Um, I thought it was a little bit harsh in real time, and in fairness to Pierce, he did look for it in real time, and I think it was just on the cusp of in right. Um, I think there was enough of a double movement there, but it was a good reach. Um, by, by, by Henshaw anyway, and <clears throat> that's something. Ireland are quite good at again. It's those little details you've seen low try later on that Jay's going to touch on, and uh, you know that and Hen, uh, Sheehan and 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 Conan do it. That that extra meter they gain with the big man reach is something that's a bit of a hallmark on that finishing. So they're obviously been told like to to really stretch for that finish. Um, sometimes you see players get right to the try line and they'll tuck the ball game because they're thinking of recycling straight away, or or Ireland are immediately thinking of that extra reach. There is a slight risk in it, as we've seen some of the trials yep. allowed. But it's just a technical confidence that the that the whole team seems to have. It, it's included in those offloads they're doing. They're just yeah. They so, they they try it because they're confident that they'll do it. They realize there's a reward there for that risk of doing that. So yeah. and and it pays off. So it which is always good to see the team trying at least to 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 be positive, and that's that's a positive action rather than a. I'm not saying recycling the ball is a negative one, but they they are trying to score. Uh, unfortunately. Sheen got called off and was denied his possible hat trick. And uh, there was a lot of substitutions made at that stage, oh, especially in the front row. Oh, 
Matt Workman, yeah, it is. It should, be. <laughs> it should be. I'm sure he 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 was annoyed about it. But um, Keller, come on, Lockman, come on, O'Toole, come on, and I think, uh, as we the three of us mentioned, I think it's worth just saying how well I thought the props. We take Dan Sheehan's level of excellence for the Porter for and Bealham for different reasons in the couple of weeks they've had. Um, I think had two super games. Uh, I I think Bealham is playing so well that. He's really pushing Tyg Furlong for a start. That's how well he's playing. Um, I'd have no issue if Tyg, I don't mean this in a bad way, but if Tyg got picked up a knock that Bealham finished out the rest of the championship, I think that's how well he's playing. We obviously don't want that. We want the two of them, the two world-class tight heads, because I think I think Bealham was quietly becoming a really, really good tight head. Like, I had a super game, and he had a great week, as Jim mentioned, because with yep. baby Bealham been born. Um. Other than that, there was there was I I thought um I mentioned Pierce uh his his ref and and he, he how he wasn't afraid to <clears throat> to check himself on certain on certain errors. You know there was the talk of the weekend about referees double double checking themselves. You know with the with the, with the Scotland France finish, but uh, there was another incident where just before the end of the, the sort of the that's the third quarter where where Low was nearly. Clean through, well, clean through on the wing with a line break, I should say. And um, I think the, we didn't resource the rook properly. Jack Conan carried it, and that was bad play from Ireland because there was nobody literally at the rook. Initially, got an easy turnover. But in fairness to Lowe, he quietly said to Pierce, Look, I was tripped. And Pierce had no problem checking it and, and obviously came to the right decision. And Menoncello got a yellow card. So, but I think I think Pierce quietly went around, you know, didn't feel under pressure. And he, he was, he was. He came to all the right decisions at the end, even though we wanted more tries. But I, I think you'd have to give him credit for his performance. I think he he, he was calmly able to relook at decisions and, and come to the right call. And, and, and he was only he was only a late call-up as well because the, it was supposed to be uh, Bruce, I think it was. So oh, uh, he, really I'm surprised we don't yeah, we don't see him that often in the Six Nations and or he, we thought he'd get more um feature games in the World Cup as well. So hopefully he'll get more yeah. And I suppose it, <clears throat> the end of the just to finish off the end of this sort of third quarter ended slight well it's a little bit scrappy. I think you know, Harry Byrne came on, and I think obviously Jay will talk more about Harry's performance. We he first he always seems to be a guy who's just trying that a little bit extra hard. And I know he knocked on, uh, he dropped it on a it was a difficult pass he was taken from I don't know who it was threw it to him. I thought it was Henshaw or McCluskey, um, threw a pass up around his ears, and he was sort of gone by it. And there was a penalty then against Lockman in the scrum. And um, probably then, just to finish off that quarter, he'd moved the fullback and he sort of got bundled out of play. So the back line, I think, at that stage, Larmer, I don't know if he'd come on at that stage, but we sort of ended up with a with a the Casey was still on, so we had Casey, Harry Byrne, nine and ten. We had uh, McCluskey and Larmer. Um, we still had Low and uh, Nash, and then obviously Crowley had gone to to fullback. So it it looked very much a uh, you know, besides low, and with all due respect to the other players, and they've all stepped up and Crowley deserved this is not a slight on Crowley, but like if you looked at that back line twelve months ago, you'd be saying that's a sort of a midweek game against Fiji in the RDS sort of back line. And but uh and that's but that just shows you how much some of them have come on and how well they've started in. But um yeah, no, it was it was just sort of a quarter where the game was sort of done and dusted and we we, we we resorted to type a little bit more about how we were exiting and still putting pressure on Italy. And at that stage, Italy were a beaten team. And uh, it was just a matter then after that of how much points Ireland would score really to see the game out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that um, that tackle by Menoncello, I, I, it, it wasn't it wasn't vindictive. It was just kind of more instinctive that he was wrong footed and he just, the yeah. leg should have shot out, but that kind of summed up Italy's afternoon. Really. They were, um, they were just, Ireland were just that step ahead of them. They weren't able to, they, they, they were a bit late trying to catch up. Um, and, uh, and as well with our lineouts, um, the past couple of weeks, our, of course, our lineouts have been so perfect. You almost don't want to jinx it by saying it too much, but, uh, no. but also on the defensive side of things as well. I mean, um, maybe Italy did have a bit of a mare. They were throwing some crooked, they were thrown overthrowing, but I think we were also putting them under pressure. I think we knew they, they knew that bear uh, bear's hand was going to get up at some point and Ryan as well. And, and they they, they were all going after. It. And I think that's another been key element that we've not only been good on our own, but also disrupting uh, our opposition over the last couple of weeks. But uh, yeah, it's been uh, it was a it, the, the game was pretty much done and dusted. Like you say, at the end of that quarter, you had Garbisi tried to make something happen. They took a quick line out. Uh, he tried to 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 mm. gain some territory. He put it straight out in the full. So uh, we had a, we had a line out uh, ourselves in, in good position, uh, Jay. Yeah, uh, I suppose just one one last thing on on <clears throat> Luke Pierce. I guess I did love that he asked for the Henshaw thing in in, in real time. Yeah. In, instead of the instead of the fifty five thousand angle, you know, matrix dodging bullets slow mo version, <laughs> um, that you're gonna find you're gonna find something when you look at it like that. Like you know, it's just. But uh, yeah, I thought you had a I thought you had a fine game. He explains everything really clearly. You can't ask for much more than that. Like, um, but uh, yeah, as you said, we had we had a line out, um, and at this stage, I believe Hendo was just coming on for Ryan, mm-hmm. uh, Ward on Ryan, obviously because. He probably wanted a big day here, and I thought, I thought he kind of quietly got it. I thought he was, yeah, just industrious. I suppose is the word I would use. Uh, he just, he, he was kind of without, without kind of, I suppose, setting the world on fire. He was kind of just went about being James Ryan quietly and comfortably and doing everything, you know. And that sort of nine out of ten performance across his entire game. Um, yeah. So it's 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 a line out. Um. Uh, and it's been, as you were saying, it's been so clean. It's hard. It's it's hard not to just wax lyrical about it after all the hassle of the World Cup. But yeah, it's a nice clean ball. Um, and 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 Stu McCluskey trucks it up. Um, and we we go into some phases. I thought Harry and Casey, whereas they they did look a bit janky at the start. I thought they did look well when they were kind of probing, um, and feeling out the edges, you know. And this is kind of a good example of it. We, you know, they we were kind of working it backward and forward. And in fairness to to Italy, um. They look quite good defensively. Actually, they had a, a fantastic hit on Doris uh, at one stage, you know. And, and we weren't we weren't finding easy gaps. Um, it was taking little bits of magic nearly every time to break them open. So if they were to take something, um, you know, and and I think the, the magic generally was just you know either something, you know, very un-Irelandish from Crowley or or from Stu Stu McCluskey. That was kind of offloads. I don't think folks would generally be ready for that level of of offload when they're playing Ireland really. Um, but yeah, so we, we eventually Casey flings it out to Harry, and Harry gets it to that man Stu again, who floats a lovely ball out to Low on the wing, um, and Lotus Lotus puts the head down and 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 uh, you know, it rolls like a dog, um, as the lads back in the boats used to say, um, and he does it's it he hasn't yeah obviously has a massive amount to do he runs it in by himself in the twenty two, but he just shows the nose you know when he gets about halfway through the distance and he's just about to close he knows the torn in field. Um, it's a pretty, it's it's bad, it's bad early defense, right? There's three or four lads who don't really lay like, a them properly, but yeah, he just he just keeps going, he stays in the fight, keeps the leg drive, and you know he he's the man of the, he was probably the, he's the man of the match. We probably haven't talked about him enough, 
Uh, but nearly every mall you see James Lowe uh, egging to get <laughs> egging him to get into it and, and put his, his his kind of shoulder to it. So and he even mentioned it in the post match. Um, yeah, he's just quietly just becoming an absolute. You know, well, he has been for a long time, but essentially in every aspect of what we're doing. And he obviously, this was a cracking of a try. He has no right to get there, and he does. Um, uh, and it's so. So that's twenty nine nil at this stage, and I think it, it was probably Crowley's worst kick of the day. Then he, he, it was a total, total miscue. Um, it probably that's that's one thing you'll probably take off uh, as being a little annoyed about. Um, but as you said, it was a bit of a swirling wind. Um, yeah, and at this stage, Jordan Larmer comes on for Robbie Henshaw. Um, Italy kind of kicked to Conan again. Conan takes it into contact, and and we clear to Capo Ozzo. Um, I I think this is probably in the second half. This is probably the only real time ball in hand that Italy have. I wouldn't say worried us. I don't think they really worried us outside the first eighteen minutes. To be to be totally honest about them. Um, but yeah, it's some decent attack. You know, I thought Monte Ioanni looked good. Andrea Capuazzo, at times I thought Brex looked pretty good. Um, but it ends up them kind of again, kind of getting panicked by how aggressive our D is. Like, you know, we're, we're having, you know, Joe, uh, Doris, you know, Hen, Hendo now. I thought Hendo looked pretty good when he came on. Uh, Conan, just absolutely smashing people. And then Haslin, uh, Varney, and and, and uh, the, the guys at the breakdown where it wasn't, they had no easy time of it at all. And it kind of panics them. Um, so they fling the ball out to to, to Capuotes on the wing, and as I mentioned earlier on, Doris absolutely uh, sends him into next week. Uh, so at this stage, we have the, the that man who who I'm sure Italy were very happy to see one time to the field, Josh Van der Fleer. Um, that's just cruel, <laughs> just cruel. <laughs> um, but yeah, Josh Josh came on. Uh, we have another scrum on halfway and another uh, penalty. I, I thought it was strange that I don't think he actually gave Italy a warning. Um, for the amount of scrum infringements, I think he just he was just happy just to blow them up every time, and I I, I was fine with that as well. But I mean, I I, I don't remember, you know, it's, it's rare you see that level of dominance in a scrum really at this level. Yeah, there um, were all different penalties that, that he might have been yeah. going that there was wheeling, there was there was it, it not, wasn't not the taking same away, thing. Stepping back, yeah, stepping yeah, all that yeah, kind of yeah. stuff. So maybe, maybe, maybe so. that was their way out. Um, yeah, and I suppose they did. They did switch the switch the personnel as well, so he might have yeah. get get the lads a bit of a clean slate. But yeah, as I said, kind of Jordan's on at this stage, so we we have to we we t- decide to go quick, which I love to be honest. Instead of just constantly going for the panel, so Harry to Stu to Crawley to Nash, um, who does a nice chink and run, and we go through some phases. And this this is kind of Jordan Larmer's first of kind of red marks for me. Um, he goes for a neck, he, a kind of silly neck roll. I mean, they they, they nearly won. They'd won the rook at that stage. And to be honest, I think he's probably lucky that they didn't go back and and, and look at it closer. He's, he has his eyes, his hands very very close to. I can't remember who it was eyes, but um, if certainly if if the shoe was on the other foot, we'd probably there would have been plenty of booze around the Aviva. Kind of probably caught, would have caused TMO to go back and have a look at that again. Yeah, so that's the Italy have a have a penalty in their half. They they do themselves no favors to kind of overthrow it. Uh, Kelher transfers to Josh, who does a fantastic kind of Josh breakaway charge. Uh, and we we feed it back to low, I should say. But it's another really, really good read from Brex. Defensively, I thought Brex looked pretty good. He kind of smashes back to 10. Harry takes it into the air. Uh, and and uh, Cap, they put it up in the air. As I said, Harry kicks up the air. And Capo also, as I say, leaves his name and address all over Jordan Lammer in the air again. Uh, it, was a, it, was a bad, it was a bad couple of minutes for Jordan Lammer uh, when he came on, unfortunately. Um, 
Italy kicked the line out and and Big Joe, uh, Big Joe Steele uh, at the line out then, um, which I think we mentioned Bard, you mentioned kind of James Ryan, Doris, but um, Joe is really starting to show that, you know, he has an option there, both offensively and defensively. And he's very, very fast, becoming indispensable in that in that regard, right? So, um, yeah, so Lowe steals the line out. And again, we go quick. It's a nice crash ball from Nash. Uh, we feed it to Lowe on the wing. Low kind of dinks ahead, uh, and in fairness, it's it's a pretty messy ball. You wouldn't you wouldn't blame Larmer for for knocking that one on. Um, so it's a it's an Italian scrum and halfway. Again, we make their life. We haunt them. They end up knocking on, and it's our scrum, which is uh, by by some miracle one of the very few complete ones of the entire game. I didn't I didn't count them. I didn't I didn't have the heart to. Um, yeah, but K- K- Casey breaks off and hands it to to Harry. I think this is probably Harry's nicest touch of the day. He kind of. A lovely kind of flat. He takes a right to the line, gives it to James Lowe, who's absolutely through. Um, it's a lovely, nice touch from 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 Harry and Lowe. Lowe kind of breaks all the way up to the ring, gives a nice offload to Hendo, and it's just one of those more, you know, because you're you're kind of waiting as as, as Tom said. You, I I thought that once that kind of bonus point try went in, I was saying, okay, this is going to be a, a nasty twenty minutes for Italy. I thought we were going to run another two or three, in. and I don't mean that we should. We have no right to, but I mean. Um, we, you know, quite an awful lot of the scores that we left out there were, were, were our own kind of silly things. So, as I said, low offloads to Hendo. That's lovely, quick ball. Like you know, but I don't know the timing between Casey and Doris was off. Casey kind of does a double pump, and I think the only person he ends up fooling is Doris, to be honest, because Doris is in the it's, it goes over Doris's head. He kind of knocks on, and um, probably the lo- one of the loudest. Uh, Reactions we got from the Aviva crowd in the second half was just a groan. <laughs> um, unfortunately, um, geez, I, I'm, I'm going full full funeral dire here in the second half. <laughs> um, but yeah, and uh, so again, we, we we backed that up. We're doing the knock on after a lovely break, and we give away another silly penalty. Then I think it was Tom O'Toole, or, or I can't remember. It was either Tom O'Toole or um, I'm not sure, but falls on the wrong side of a rock anyway. Uh, it's just backing up. It was already a, a, a piece of sloppiness, but another easy out. Um, so it's one of the kind of aspects that you know I, I would probably the only negative of the game, really, right? I mean, you can't be too negative. Um, at this stage, we have James and Gibson Park coming on for for Casey, and uh, we 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 do eventually end up getting another kind of scrum back in our own half. It's interesting to see. Um, we go for it was it was it was actually nice to see. We go for a very very similar move again that Harry pulled front with, with, with James Lowe. So the exact same guys run the exact same lines. So James Lowe's running up that line again. He's drawing them all in, but it's actually the, the ball goes back out the back to, to James Gibson Park um, and they're, and they're sold who, who, who James Gibson Park feeds to Jordan Lammer. Um, and unfortunately Jordan Lammer throws a pretty unnecessary forward pass then and killing another attack. So again, you're kind of, you know, head and hands at this stage of, of when will it end? Unfortunately, um, Thanks for giving me this this twenty minutes. Jeff. <laughs> you kind of got the short straw with the, with the quarters there. Anyway, um, were there so, any knock-ons? That's what I want to know. There, there's there's a few knock-ons. We're, we're still going. We're still going. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's an Italy scrum, and we win it against the head. I suppose that's one thing we were pretty pristine. And we were excellent. Our set piece all day was excellent. Um, so it's so it's an Ireland lineup. Uh, Keller Hendo takes it off the top. Uh, James Lowe joins uh, again. Um, he can, he's, he's he's absolutely bullying for it at this stage. And some nice carries here from 
James Gibson Park, Van der Fleer and Doris. Um, we, we work it to the kind of far touch line as the camera's there. Um, and it's just this, it's just really, really, when, when we do click like this, it's, it is Harlem Globetrotter stuff, really, uh, where it's it, James Gibson Park, the Crowley. Uh, it didn't count how many seconds passed here, but there's there's so many transitions in play. So Gibson Park, the Crowley, to Van der Flair, who gives it out to back to Harry Bourne, who gives it to Stu, who I've looked at it four or five times. I really don't understand how he gets that ball back. Yeah. Just, he's already fallen. The hand just kind of comes out of the top and just, just kind of automatically. So Crowley gets it to, to James Gibson Park, who gives it to Nash. <laughs> Um, and Nash has has quite a lot to do actually. Um, luckily enough, Harry Bourne is is there to point him towards where the try line is, <laughs> um, in the most un- in the most unnecessary kind of friendly manner. But now I'm sure he's just events by his face. It's just funny to look at it in the slow mo. But uh, yeah, Nash had plenty to do. Um, he, he kind of broke through contact, and it was fantastic with the play. Badly needed after, as I said, the, the pretty the pretty uh, rough country of of ten fifteen minutes of kind of um, nearly fires right. But um. Yeah, so I'm not sure who made the call. The Harry Bourne takes this kick because he actually didn't take the first one that he was on for. Um, so obviously, I'm not sure if Crowley just 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 threw him the keys or or if it was something something from the sideline. Or, or I can't imagine why Andy would have asked at that stage or Tortiot up. But it's probably the it's probably the cleanest conversion of the night. It was a fantastic kick. Um, I don't know whether the the, the the breeze had died down at that stage or, or whatever, but suffice to say, so um, Italy restart um and give away an absolutely kind of silly seatbelt tackle on 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 Stu. We have the line out. We make some lovely phases again. So there is some really really nice attack in midfield, and they're defending quite well. And we work it to the to the wing. And I thought this probably could have ended up being a yellow card as well. I thought whatever about the trip on James Lowe earlier in the match being. You know, it was nearly like an automatic reflex. The 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 trip on Jameson Gibson Park off the back of the rook with the hand, I thought was was probably a little more cynical. Um, to be honest, but at that stage the game was done dusted. Like, um, so that's a penalty for us. Uh, uh, we kicked to the corner, um, and it, it it's again lovely, well executed uh, mall. Uh, not getting much change off it, so so Jameson Gibson Park breaks. Um, and goes by himself. And in fairness to him, I, I thought it was a I thought it was a, the wrong decision at the time, but you can't fault it. Like he was the two centimeters two centimeters shy of, of scoring, and and he filled Luke Pierce for the first thirty five seconds or whatever. Who who blew it up quite quick. In fairness, but um, yeah, when it went back, it was it was quite clearly knocked on. Um, so 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 there we have it. It's done. <laughs> That's it. I mean, I, I suppose you know you just have to talk a little more about James Lowe uh, from the match. He got player of the match, and uh, we you know we talk about his kicks and his boots, but he just contributes in so many different areas that he's just he he's just invaluable to the team at this stage. He's he's the type of player who, if whatever his involvement, whenever whenever he has an involvement in the game, if you look at what a coach, the average coach would. Um, would say was was the ideal outcome for that situation. He sets his standard beyond that. That's what it seems to be. He always wants to do a little more than what's expected of him. So he gets more out of the kicks. He's always, you know, he um, most most mere mortals, I suppose, for his try would have been happy just, you know, cutting inside, taking the tackle, setting it up, and 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 shipping it on. But no, he's going that extra for the try. He's uh, he's not just making a tackle. He's trying to hold the guy up. He's 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 
going into malls as well and setting up he was involved in um uh, he gets involved in malls when they call for extra players and all those different aspects of the game it was an all round earlier in the game i i kind of in my in my mind i had hugo keenan nailed down as player of the match but you you get that from him every week anyway like you say you almost don't even know he's there you take his kind of excellence for granted at, at full back but uh i think low was the right right call at the end and uh like you say the, the game did kind of fizzle out uh, towards the end but you know a couple of tries got the score up to um something better and i think it was for from iron's point of view it might be more you know the nil was is impressive in itself um to, yeah. to, to get that and the points in the bag extra points different so like you say the final score at the end was uh, ireland 36 italy nil <laughs> So that win keeps Ireland top of the Six Nations table after two rounds with a maximum 10 match points and a more than healthy points difference of plus 57. England are second, but while they are also 100%, they fail to get tribe bonuses, so they sit two points behind with Scotland third on five, France four, Wales three, and finally Italy in the wooden spoon position with just the one point. There is now, of course, an off week until the 24th of February when Ireland hosts Wales before the Calcutta Cup match in Murrayfield with France v Italy on the Sunday. Meanwhile, over in the under-20s, if you missed that thriller in Cork on Friday night, I really suggest you check it out because it took all Richie Murphy's side could muster to sneak past their Italian counterparts thanks to a late try from Sean Adogbo, keeping that impressive winning streak going. England are actually the ones with the maximum points in this comp, while we're one behind on nine, France have seven, our next opponents, Wales, have five, and the Scots and Italians are at the foot of the table with one point each. So all of which brings us to our final thoughts from the weekend, starting with Tom. Yeah, I just touched briefly on the three games. I think, you know, because it was Six Nations weekend, I think uh, starting on our own game, look, I think it shouldn't be underestimated. Um, we nilled Italy, uh, which was the first time since February 1987 against England, I read, uh, since we nilled somebody in the five Six Nations. And I think, you know, looking at the stats, I think Italy had only one entry into our 22 in the whole game for all of like 17 seconds or something. And that was off uh, an infringement we gave in mid in the, at the start of the game where they, they so uh that's highly unusual for that to happen. I think that's how good the defense was and maybe how poor Italy was as well. Um, like even uh, we've said a few times this could have been fifty to sixty uh, for different reasons and 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 maybe it's better to have a a thirty six nail and 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 learn from it, learn from it and get players out there. Um, like we had 12 line breaks to their one and you know defenders beaten looking at some of the stats here 33 you know over 600 meters run and you know the the, the territory in the second half with sort of 74 percent and and one of the key ones i'm sure which they'll be happy and i think 72 percent of ireland's um rocks were under three seconds you know all these stats are for Keno when he listens to the pod because he loves the old stats but i think if you're playing Ireland and nearly three quarters there, Rooks is under three seconds, you're in for a really bad day. And that's why we say it felt like a 50 game, 50 nil or a 50 score or 60 score, because it felt everything, the ingredients were there for, maybe apart from a bit of little errors close in and, and, and some good last ditch defence or brave defence from Italy, just forcing it. Um, But yeah, it was a dominant display by Ireland and really uh, all you wanted to do on the back of winning in Marseille was, was get another five points and try and up the, the for and against on, on the event of you know to cover off all eventualities on on the final day um i think uh looking forward to our next game against wales i think wales still only on two wins in the last 
just the th- three three six nations now. You know, there were only two wins out of whatever it is now fourteen. Um, they look like a team that's 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 um. It could be a, a while longer before they win again. I think England must be worried about their lack of 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 attack. They seem to have no attacking plan, um, and that was again the really a team that struggles to score tries. So. Uh, it'll still be tricky and tricking them when the time comes and it won't be a gimme because they've actually played well in the last two years a man down for most of the game so it'll definitely be they love to would love to upset a, an Irish attempt and, and you know they'll, they'll, they'll be more, more than be happy to do so uh, like we would to them and then just finishing off the weekend obviously the France Italy or France-Scotland game I should say um, yeah, a lot of criticism for Scotland to be fair you know they can moan all they like about that last decision and we could have a pod by themselves I'm sure Scottish rugby pods this week will be fun to listen into but my immediate reaction after that game and it still stands that Scotland really need a hard look at themselves on how poor and lethargic I use the word France were for 99% of that game and they had so many invites to try and um, put France away and just never were brave enough or have the tactics or the game management to go and do it. Um, and there's only so many times you can invite France or give France a free invitation and, and eventually they got to try um, to win the game. So, um, yeah, the, the coaching staff and, and leadership on the pitch needed, you know, that was a game they should have won. And they can make, you know, all the, you know, it'll, the focus will all go on that try, no try at the end and we all have our views on it. But, it's it's papering over the cracks of what was a very poor Scottish performance again on the back of the second half against Wales, where they really should have put a poor France away. But look, it was it was a mixed bag of a weekend rugby wise. We you know I'm you'd never be disappointed with a Six Nations weekend, but uh, especially when your own team wins thirty six nil. But um, I'd be hoping the the next three weekends was is better than this weekend's because the, for for different reasons there was there was poor quality. Um, good luck. We, we 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 the three of us and, and people people listening would look at any sort of rugby game and try and get enjoyment out of it. So it's hard to be overcritical, you know what I mean? It's still it's still having a few points and watch rugby, so I'm not gonna complain that much. Absolutely. Jay. Yeah, like uh, just to echo uh Tom's sentiments really. I mean, I thought we looked we looked generally very, very good, but I, I think it's probably fair to say we didn't leave toward gear. Uh, really, and we didn't need we didn't need to. Um, which which is probably the, the right thing to do. The lads were conserving stuff, uh, and I'm not saying they were holding anything back, but we were really dominant without ever really looking too stressed, which is obviously a, a bonus in itself. Um, it was really really great to see a more complete performance set beat wise, set beat wise, uh, from lineouts and and uh, scrum. Um, you know we've they've been kind of haunting us for for a while now, especially. Well, the scrum probably still has a couple of question marks over it when, you know, it always will uh, until, you know, maybe Andrew Potter plays his 100th game without giving away a single penalty or something. But the line out for sure um, is 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 a massive step up from where it was in the World Cup. Um, yeah, I suppose we, we did give away a couple of silly, pel- silly penalties and we probably left a few scores out there, but with the amount of churn, that's, that's probably fair enough. And as Tom said, um, maybe, maybe, Keeping a bit of hunger in the belly going forward in the competition probably isn't the worst thing. Um, not that the, this I I'm fully believe this group is probably immune to complacency to a certain extent. They seem to be create their own internal drive, which is probably the sign of of a really really healthy both coach, senior player, youth group kind of playing group. 
and, and the only downside, I guess, is is, is poor old Hugo. Um, hopefully, hopefully Hugo um isn't isn't too badly hurt. And I guess just a just a, a word from the man himself, I suppose, given that Crowley is kind of stepping into the boots of Johnny. It's uh, I think this is the game where made it clear for me at least that he's definitely the man to uh to you know, at least have ample ceiling to grow into wherever Johnny left off. Obviously, you can't replace the rugby IP that Johnny Sexton has accrued over, you know, reaching, you know, 72 years of age on the pitch. Um, But, you know, Jack Crowley certainly seems to have all the natural ability, all the nous and the drive that may put put Johnny Sexton where he was uh, at the end of his career. Um. And yeah, this final word on on Italy. Um, I'm a I'm a I'm a diehard Italy fan. I, I was kind of didn't like to see them being smashed like that. And I'm, I'm hoping they were definitely missing their big guns. You know, Sebastian Negri, Negri and stuff like that. So to a certain extent, I think probably are overly critical in terms of their lack of attack. They probably didn't have the cattle to live with us up front. But um, hopefully um, hopefully it's not a sign of things to come. Hopefully they 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 bag a win this this championship. But anyway, yeah, we're we're two for two, ten from ten. Uh, can't be can't be too happy. And as Tom said, I love points as well. So, okay, listen, lads, uh, we're going to leave it there. Many thanks again to Tom and Jay for joining me. Hope to see you both on the pod again soon. Thanks, lads. Cheers, Cheers. guys. Take it easy. Cheers. Okay. As for our next batch of Harpen, look out for our eighty plus column on Wednesday. Then we turn our attention to the top of the table URC clash at the RDS when Leinster hosts Benetton. We'll have a preview on Friday, and we'll be recording the wrap pod on Sunday evening. As ever, keep up with our content on social media. The links are in the program notes. In the meantime, stay safe, everyone. Slan.